Hello, and welcome to episode 129 of My Circus, My Monkeys. I recently sent out a survey to folks on our mailing list asking what issues they were facing and what they wanted me to talk about in future episodes. So in today's episode, I'm going to dive into one of those questions. If you've been wondering how to have those difficult conversations with team members who just aren't meeting expectations, stay tuned. You're listening to My Circus, My Monkeys, the podcast for supervisors in education or any field that emphasizes growth and development. If you want to reign in the chaos and transform your team to better serve your students and clients, keep listening. This podcast explores essential information on supervision, employee engagement, and using a strengths-based framework to empower you and your team. We'll examine the latest research in psychology, neuroscience, education, and beyond to help you and your team get to the next level with your host, Ann Brackett, the Chief Engagement Officer of Strengths University. I sent a survey out to folks on our mailing list because I want this podcast to be as useful to you as possible. And to do that, I need to know what you need to know. If you're not on our mailing list and you have questions about supervising or want to suggest a topic, you can find a link in the summary episodes. The episode summary. One of the questions I asked folks was, if you had a coaching session with one of us, what situation or problem would you want to break down and get guidance on? And the very first person to answer the survey asked, how do I handle difficult conversations with staff members? For example, I have an employee who has trouble following directions. Sometimes they change what they're asked to do or how they were asked to do it. The employee gives me all sorts of excuses every time they're late or slips out early. They don't seem to understand written directions and verbal instructions have to be repeated multiple times. I don't know how to better communicate with someone who seems to have a learning disability. All right. That's a great question to start us off with. I mean, this uh, this particular staff member seems to have a few things going on, but in general, this is a pretty typical problem, right? A team member isn't living up to your expectations, and thus, you need to have a conversation about their performance. And this can be especially frustrating when you feel like you've tried oh so many things to help them be successful. But If we break down this question, there are really two parts. First, how do you fix an employee who seems to have ongoing issues? And second, how do you make such conversations less difficult? And I'm going to start with the second part of this equation first. And since I'm the one who's crafted this episode, you may be wondering, then why the bleep didn't you just say that was the first part? (laughs) Uh, That's a good question. I chose to put them in that order because typically most folks would say the primary issue is the employee's issues, right? I mean, if they just did what they were supposed to do, you wouldn't have to have a conversation at all. Well, in part, these conversations seem so heavy because we're typically only discussing people's performance when there are problems. If someone's nailing it, or at least doing decent work, 
then things tend to move along pretty smoothly. And when things are going well, there's not a lot of motivation for you to stop and discuss performance. But when someone is getting in the way of your team's success, suddenly that motivation is there, even if the conversation feels difficult. But what if you discuss performance on a regular basis, even with the folks who are meeting expectations? I know some of you meet with your team regularly, and I know others of you mean to, but all the stuff on your plate and all the fire putting out gets in the way. But having regular coaching conversations with your team is key to their and your success. If you're meeting with your team members every week or every other week to discuss not just what they're doing, but how they're doing, it will make it way easier for you and them to have a discussion when things need to improve. Question, has your boss ever sent you a short email or popped their head in to say, hey, I need to talk to you before you leave today? Now, even if you're the bestest employee ever, what are you gonna do? You're gonna sit there and you're gonna wonder, what is this about? And what have I done wrong? You're gonna stop being productive and instead hyper-focus on what could be wrong. And again, that's because we've been taught that unexpected talks with the boss are an unusual and stressful thing. It's perceived as negative. Even if you meet with your folks regularly, if you don't often discuss performance other than an occasional great job on blank, any discussion about things that need to be improved is going to make folks feel stressed out and defensive. And naturally, that's how you're going to feel about these situations as well. The system that most of us use is primed to make everyone involved go into a stress response. And if you've listened to any of my past episodes on stress, you know being in a stress response, aka fight or flight, will negatively impact how both parties navigate these situations. You're going to be all in your head about it, and they're going to be worried and defensive. So the first thing you need to do to make these difficult conversations less difficult is to set up a new system to manage your team's performance. That means regular meetings with each team member that focus both on performance and professional development. And that's a change from what most one-on-one meetings look like today. I meet with plenty of folks who say their supervisor when they meet with them. The meeting goes something like this. Hey, how are things going? Anything you need from me? Oh, I need you to work on this new project where you get a broad overview of what that project is. Any questions? All right, well, let me know if you need anything. Now, obviously, most meetings go on longer than this, but in general, they're not structured in a meaningful way. Yes, your supervisor gave you opportunities to ask questions or bring things up. But depending on your relationship with your supervisor, you may not feel super comfortable asking the questions you really need answers. You may not even know what questions you need to ask. Maybe you don't want your, que- your supervisor to question your abilities, so you decide you'll just figure things out yourself. Or maybe you just don't want to let them down. So again, you're not asking the questions that you need. So what should these meetings look like? To answer that, 
We're going to switch gears a bit and dive into that first issue about how to address an employee who's not living up to your expectations. In other words, performance management. Now, I want to preface this by saying you cannot fix an employee's behavior or their performance without their consent. And what I mean by that is that you may have the best intentions and do everything within your power to support and coach them to success. But if they lack the desire or the ability to upgrade their performance, there is nothing you can do to change that. You trying harder is not the solution. It's just going to make you and possibly your team frustrated and waste valuable energy. At its core, performance management consists of three main components. One, setting clear expectations. Two, consistent coaching. And three, holding folks accountable. Now, I've done several episodes on each of these things, but I want to briefly break them down here. And collectively, I'd like to frame this with a lovely Brene Brown quote. She says, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. And if you're wrestling with issues like these, it's most likely because you want to be kind and supportive of your team, and that is wonderful. But the best way you can do that is to be clear and direct with them. Keeping this in mind, let's dive into these components. First, setting clear expectations. You need to be clear about what you expect from your team. Yes, they have a job description, but that is a broad overview. Plus, it can change over time or even daily depending on what's going on. The very first element in Gallup's engagement tool, the Q12, is I know what's expected of me at work. Knowing what's expected is foundational for everyone's success. Yes, you can do this verbally, but it is also very helpful to put these things in writing. Everyone is busy, including you. And I don't know about you, but I definitely don't remember I tell everything. I don't remember everything I tell everybody. And sometimes I think I've told Alicia something, and she assures me that I did not. So it is helpful to have these things in writing, in an email, or a shared document, and it keeps everyone on the same page and makes it easy for either party to verify what has been communicated. This also makes it easier to ask questions. But before you do that, you need to take the time to become clear on what you expect. Most supervisors don't take the time to do this, which means they can't actually communicate to their team members what they need them to do. And in all fairness, you probably don't do this because A, you're crazy busy, and B, most of us just assume that other people know what we want. But there is no reason for that to be true. You cannot assume that they know, and don't fall into the trap of believing they should know. Yeah, you know what? Maybe they should but it is your job to make sure they do. You need to make sure they know what's expected of them. And until you're clearly communicating what you need them to do and what the final results need to look like, you are setting them up to fail. And just asking them, do you have any questions, does not fix the problem. Remember that less than optimal supervisor interaction I mentioned earlier? Well, back in grad school, I had a statistics professor who would always ask, what questions do you have? Well, I never asked any questions 
because I was so confused that I had all the questions. But I didn't want to stop and say, yeah, I have a question. Can you explain all of that all over again? Never assume that you are on the same page until you've discussed it. All right, let's dive into the second component, which is consistent coaching. Once you clearly lay out your expectations, then you need to coach your team along the way. These sessions need to happen regularly. Also need to be structured so both you and your team members know what's going to be covered. Now, I have adaptability as one of my top five talent themes. So for a long time, I felt like meeting agendas really kept me from going with the flow of the conversation. But in reality, it sets up expectations for what's to come for everyone. It makes sure that you remember what you want to talk about. We're so often rushed that we mean to cover certain things, but simply forget because we're running late from our last meeting. And remember, we are restructuring this process so difficult conversations don't feel so difficult. And that means talking about performance every time. You can add in other topics as well, but at the very least, you need to talk about any current or new expectations. Then you need to discuss what they're working on. And don't just ask, how's it going? Ask specific questions. And the purpose of this is not to micromanage. Micromanaging is about maintaining control. You're asking questions to assess where they are in the project and to get out in front of any potential issues. Often the folks that have issues are the ones who are going to answer the question, how's it going, with a fine or, oh, everything's good. But that doesn't tell you anything, and it doesn't allow you to correct their course along the way if things aren't going the way they should. You need to know what's going well and why so you can reinforce it. And you need to know what's potentially getting in their way and why so you can help them problem solve. Your job as coach here is to support them as they try to meet the expectations that you've so clearly laid out. And this is your opportunity to do that. So that last piece, holding folks accountable. This is the part that is so stressful for so many folks. And I'm sure that's why this person asked the question. But if you're being clear up front, including putting those expectations in writing somewhere and coaching folks along the way, then this part is actually easy, even if it doesn't always feel great. But remember, if you do not have clear expectations set in the beginning, that's where this gets really, really messy. First, accountability is not about failure. If someone lives up to your expectations, then you should hold them accountable by celebrating their success. Another element of Gallup's Q12 is in the last seven days, I've received recognition or praise for doing good work. But even successful team members don't necessarily maximize their energy. So this can be a time to focus on development as well. Use the opportunity to talk about how they can improve their performance in the future or how this experience can help them as they grow in their career. One of the best tools to use to maximize these conversations is Clifton Strengths. When you and your team know your talent themes, then when you're in this accountability phase, you can ask folks, how do you think your talents helped you succeed with this project? 
That answer can help top performers lean into the things that they do best. You can also ask, how do you think your talents might have gotten in your way here? And this works for top performers as well, because talents can easily get in our way, even if ultimately we're successful. Imagine if that high performer could use 25% less effort next time to achieve the same goal. That is just as important as focusing your time on correcting underperformers. Now, I explain this in terms of top performers because we tend to have a more positive attitude about interacting with these folks. But the concept is the same for those people who are not meeting your expectations. Since you've been clear all the way along, and it's in writing, if anyone goes into the whole, but I didn't understand what you meant, or, well, that's not what you said, business, you can easily set that aside And if they bring it up, just remind them, I've been very clear this entire time, and we've had several conversations before that clarified what was expected. And again, if you aren't clear up front and they go this direction, they may very well have a good point. This is also where you need to be clear about what needs to change and the potential consequences if they don't approve. They don't improve. And I'm sure you have an official HR discipline process. They need to know what that is and what changes they need to make to stay in their job. And again, clear is kind. It may feel icky, but finding softer words often causes confusion. It may feel like saying, we're going to have to look at other options if things don't change is a gentle way of letting folks know that they're probably going to lose their job. But that can easily be misinterpreted as, oh, well, if I don't make this change, they'll move me to another job or change my responsibilities. You need to communicate that they need to do A, B, and C by whatever date, or this is going to happen. And that doesn't mean you can't support them as they do it, but ultimately, it's on them to make those changes happen by that deadline. Okay, so those are the three main components of performance management. But I do want to address that last bit that the supervisor mentioned in their question. And that's about how they suspect the individual has a learning disability. Alicia used to be the assistant director of academic support, which included overseeing disability support. Now, we'd often have discussions about how these guidelines apply to students, but also to staff. And in a nutshell, for someone to receive reasonable accommodations, they need to disclose a diagnosis that makes them eligible for reasonable accommodations at work. That means you have to treat folks like you would anyone else on your team until they tell you otherwise. And even if someone does have a diagnosis that may be eligible for accommodations, It doesn't necessarily mean they automatically get them. There is no magic list that tells you exactly what accommodation someone gets because they have blank diagnosis. This is a discussion that happens between the employer and employee to determine what reasonable accommodations make sense in that situation. And typically HR is involved in these discussions to make it official. Now, The qualifier reasonable is very important here. 
In this example, the employee often comes in late and offers various excuses. Well, let's say they go to the supervisor and they say, hey, I've just been diagnosed with ADHD, so I need to have flexible start times. And you may think that seems reasonable given the diagnosis, but you also need to factor in the expectations of the position. If their responsibilities include opening the gym at eight o'clock every day, it is not reasonable for them to have a flexible start time because that would mean everybody would have to just wait outside until they got there to open the gym. And that simply doesn't work. Other positions may allow for that flexibility, but that is a discussion, not a given. And yes, that may very well mean they cannot continue doing this job if they cannot meet those expectations. But that's not necessarily a failure on anyone's part, but rather that the job is not a good fit for that person. In the original question, the supervisor is assuming there is a learning disability in play. While that may be true, you are not allowed to suggest to that individual or treat them any differently than you do anyone else. If you do, you may very well run into trouble if you do need to terminate that person at a certain point. And not to mention, how fair is it to the rest of your team that one person gets all this extra help and isn't really held to the same standards as anyone else, but they have to work harder? That's going to negatively impact your team's engagement overall. But what you can do is let all of your team members know what resources are available to them. And when you're coaching everyone, come with it at, come at it with curiosity. Again, this isn't about diagnosing people on your team. You're asking them questions to help themselves identify what's preventing them from being successful. And then you can support them where appropriate. And maybe that's something that you can address yourself if it's something systemic, but it might be something they just have to fix on their end. You're also asking them questions to identify what would help make their performance even better if they're already high producers. If you do that consistently with all of your team members, you're going to be able to address potential issues along the way. And that's a much less stressful approach for everyone versus letting things build into a huge, uncomfortable conversation. And as an added bonus, this process also allows you to focus on your team's development and engagement at the same time. And that's a win, win, win. Okay, so I hope this episode has given you an overview on how to make those difficult conversations less stressful for you and your team members. Again, we have many previous episodes that dive into different aspects of performance management, so feel free to go back and dig deeper into those, or we would love to work with you in individual coaching or in a group workshop to help you upgrade your performance management skills and get even more great tools to help make your managing less stressful and more impactful. You can reach out to me at Anne at strengthsuniversity.org, and that's Anne with an E, by the way, to ask any questions or get more information about the services we have at Strengths University. And if you have a question or a topic you'd like to suggest for the podcast, you can find the link to the survey in the episode's notes. As always, Alicia and I are here to support you as you reflect on where you are and where you want to go. One great way to invest in yourself and your team is to join us for the summer cohort 
of the Supervisor Strengths Institute. We are revamping the Institute this summer to make it even more manageable for your busy schedule. It is the same great content, but we've condensed it so you can work through each week's modules and start implementing change even faster. We know that life can too easily get in the way of you staying on track, so we've also added a bonus for everyone who completes all eight weeks of learning. You will get an additional 60 minutes of our time, and you can use that for more individual coaching, a short team session, or to receive a discount on a longer team workshop. Our Summer Institute starts on May 28th. Go ahead and register now. Check it off your list. We want you, your team, and your students to shine their brightest. And that starts with you. So join us for the Summer Institute using the link in the show notes. Or if you have questions about the Institute or other services, contact us at Anne, and that's A-N-N-E, at strengthsuniversity.org. Thanks for listening to My Circus, My Monkey. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as other episodes, on our website, www.strengthsuniversity.org slash mycircus. If you found this podcast valuable, please share it with your friends and colleagues so we can empower and support supervisors everywhere. Finally, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.